Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the PropG podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. There are many different paths you can take. But there's only one road to Atlanta. The high drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Danby Swanson. Flair out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Albies going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzie Albies. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for an inside the Parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at Road the Number Two Atlanta. Now hit the road with your hosts Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. I am one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me from my work over on TalkingChop.com or over on Twitter at Leprechaun with a K. Joining me is one Gaurav Vidak, the purveyor of the Braves Reddit account, longtime writer over at Talking Chop, and you can find him on Twitter at GVDAC. Gaurav, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Eric. How are you today? Uh, it's been kind of a hectic day. Uh, we were trying to find time to record this uh, for another reason that a lot of us have things going on because getting three people uh, on the same page at times can be a little bit tricky. And that brings me to the, our other co-host, which is going to be Matt Powers, who, again, has been working, writing for uh, Talking Shop for quite some time. Uh, he's been kind of our draft guru, so he's been in the state of recovery since the draft last week. Um, you can find Matt on Twitter at MattPowers31. Matt, how are you, buddy? Not great. The weather up here sucks. I was planning to head out to see Casey Mize start in a number one pick versus number one pick matchup with Mickey Moniak from the Phillies, but the weather doesn't look like it's going to allow that to happen. I mean, I understand that Moniak was like a number one pick, but I, I don't I don't see any world where Moniak's going to be doing much against a Casey Mize. They just seem to be uh, completely... Oh, I don't argue with that at all, but it's still two number one overall cool names. picks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you get to see some cool names. For sure. Um, so for the last few weeks, we've been very draft-centric. Uh, Matt's kind of been a, still in a state of mourning that Daniel Espino is not a Brave. He wasn't particularly happy with how the, the how the draft went for the Braves. But overall, we're kind of now we're at the point where we're kind of anxious to see these guys because at the Major League All-Star break, that's when we release our mid-season prospects list. And that's when we're going to have to figure out what to do with these draftees. You know, are they going to go ahead and put them in full season ball with a couple a couple of these early round picks, or are they going to start down in rookie ball? And that's something we're kind of monitoring closely. We're also kind of getting our heads around of who the top performers in the system are and where we're going to rank them. Uh, that Again, that, that list will come up around the All-Star break. That's kind of something we release generally during that period of time to kind of fill the void when there's not really a lot of baseball happening other than other than the All-Star game festivities. So we I, I decided that for this week what we were going to do is we're going to kind of form our own Braves minor league All-Star teams. Just for this first half, it doesn't even necessarily have to be the guys who are the best prospects. And in fact, you're going to find there's going to be some names on this list that aren't the best prospects, but they have performed ex- exceedingly well. And we want to kind of give them some recognition and we want to talk about some different names and kind of 
show kind of what we're what we're thinking about and what we're not thinking about in terms of whether it be if a guy who's you know particularly hitting particularly well but maybe isn't highly regarded still being recognized but understanding that they might have a certain only a certain ceiling et cetera et cetera. So first guys, uh, and what we're gonna do this is we're gonna, we're gonna name one from each position. Uh, we're gonna probably, we're gonna try to like you know give other guys a little bit of nods here and there for being you know being good at what they do, uh, but maybe not quite getting the, the nods from any of us. So we're gonna start with catcher. And this is an interesting one because I think we have we're gonna have some variants of opinions here. Um, so Grav, you first. Well, give, give us your all star catcher for the first half of 2019. Yes, as much as I wanted to to write down William Contreras, uh, he he's struggled mightily so far with his bats uh, this year. And so the honor goes to a Mr. Alex Jackson, who has a solid 8.27 OPS. However. It, it kind of shows you how well when he's making contact, he's he's hitting the ball well with the with the 500 slugging percentage, but he's not necessarily making too much contact. It contact it just shows catching is kind of kind of weak in this system right now. Uh, if someone like William Contreras is not performing well, uh, obviously with the drafting of Shea Ling Aliers, like he'll, he'll be up there up there with William. Um, but overall, catcher is kind of thin. Uh, in the entire Oregon, well, not the entire, but in the minor leagues. I will say with Contreras, I've actually gave him the nod one because I've heard like really good about things about his like ability, like defensively. He's been doing really well, and that's and that has carried oh, over. Man, to don't the get me wrong. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like defensively, he's definitely there, and it, he's gonna be he's gonna be great. But like he's just struggling a lot with the bat, and I actually wrote about this in the recap today, like. We all thought the, that the promotion to double A was really rushed. I expected him to stay the entire season actually in A ball, in uh, high A ball. Uh, and it's, you know, it's shown so far. He's, he's facing much more mature pitchers and it's, it has taken its toll. He's not, he's got a four, a sub 400 OPS, I think is what I wrote earlier today. Like yep. it's, it's definitely rushed. Yeah. I kind of wish they'd give him some more time in Florida, but I also understand that Florida is just a tough place to put. Anybody offensively, you know what I mean? Uh, and you kind of want to get them closer, you know, maybe some different coaches and give them give them different looks. Uh, only seven games at AA, but the results haven't been very good. It's a 349 OPS so far, which is less than ideal for sure. Um, but again, I'm, he's so talented. It's just kind of one of those things where I feel like, you know, the combination of the steps forward he's made defensively, plus he wasn't terrible in, in Florida. I mean, like a 700 OPS down there is like an 800 OPS basically in any other league. You know what I mean? So it's kind of he was fine um, offensively at Florida. I mean, he's really struggled with Double A, and I respect the Alex Jackson pick just because he's looked good this year in the minors. He looked really good, um, Matt. I think that you're, you you had Alex Jackson too, didn't you? I did. I actually just saw him the well last night. He didn't play the night before when I was out to see them, and he was taking good at bats. I mean, he was getting deep into counts, working the pitch count really well. And his defense, other than one really horrible play that cost them the run and probably cost the team the win, where it was a passed ball on him, and after the ball got past him, it's like he got up to talk to the umpire and ask if it was a passed ball instead of actually looking around for the ball and chasing it, which allowed the runner to get from first to third instead of first to second. So that runner came in to score and tie up the game, which is why, and they ended up losing because of uh, Lane Adams' double where he was scored in in the uh, bottom of the ninth inning. But outside of that, the defense was actually pretty good overall, well, at least compared to what you read about his defense and what it's supposed to be. 
So that with the longer at-bats, and he was able to actually get a hit along with the hit-by-pitch, so he reached base a couple times, and obviously the power is still there. So he's definitely improved quite a bit since last year, even though he's no longer a guy that is worthy of that hype that came with being a top draft pick when he was a first-round pick years ago. So... Uh, and I, I don't think I disagree with the Alex Jackson pick. I do think that Contreras is like is pretty close because it, for as young as he is, getting debumped to Double A, and you know performance in in for in the Florida State, I kind of adjust up a bit just because of those numbers that come out of the Florida State League. But it's kind of hard to argue with the Alex Jackson pick because I do think he's been much better this year. I want to give a little bit of love to Logan Brown down at Rome though because that guy can hit and he he plays the position well. It, he doesn't seem like he's a guy that you know. Runners seem like are constantly wanting the challenge. Seems like he's very active behind the plate, and his reflexes are really good. And while he do, he doesn't have that like that prospect cachet, he's a guy that he it's clear that he has a high baseball IQ, and it seems like he can play. Comes from a baseball lineage. He's Kevin Brown's son, and I would not be surprised if we kind of he maybe gets promoted relatively soon, and we kind of see that he may actually there may actually have something with that kid. So. Um, I think so too. Although yeah. I do want to point out, he's not that Kevin Brown. So I'm not the pitcher Kevin Brown. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's uh, but again, has some baseball lineage. Smart player. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and I I like I like overall what his skill set is, and I'm hopeful that maybe down the line he'll 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 start getting a little more attention. He might end up being maybe of a backup, but I think I mean, especially on that Rome roster where they also had Ricardo Rodriguez, he was a superior catcher by a mile. And I think they really like him down there, and I think that he's going to end up getting a chance to try to prove himself against some you know, older competition. An offensive-oriented uh, backup catcher, possibly, with some yeah. defensive ability. Yeah, I can see it. He, he's, a, he's a guy that you don't hate as your, your defensive, your backup catcher, and he can actually do some damage. Uh, kind of hard to see, uh, like, an everyday role for him, but, you know, I've seen crazier things happen. Uh, speaking of positions that are really, really thin down in the minor leagues, first base is rough. <laughs> First base is really rough. I mean, like, you, there's there's games where you see Griffin Benson and you wonder maybe if there's gonna be a, uh, there's gonna be more power and some real production there. But there's really, <clears throat> I mean, for me it was kind of only one name and that was Ryan Castile. Uh, Matt, I'll go with you first. Yeah, I mean, this guy was actually a fairly big prospect at one point coming out of the Rockies organization. He had some big numbers out in the California League, which who doesn't? And then he had some decent numbers in Double A with them the next year, but he kind of fell off after that. And he actually wasn't with the team at the start of the season. He got picked up pretty early on, though. He's put up some decent numbers with an 831 OPS and seven home runs in about 45 games or so. Nothing spectacular, but when you look at the overall first base position, there's really not much. I mean. Griffin Benson, as you mentioned, he's just so hit or miss from game to game, at bat to at bat. He's either going to do something big or he's not going to do anything at all. And it's just a mystery with him at this point. Uh, Grav, what about you, man? I'm going to go with Backstrom, the number 18 pick, because that's how weak <laughs> the first base is in this uh, in this organization. Yeah, I had Ryan Castillo as well. Like He's performed by far the best out of everyone. He definitely deserves a nod in the organization. Uh, it's rough. It's definitely rough out there. Uh, I'm, I'm really hoping that the Braves can sign Backstrom because he would automatically probably be my top-rated first baseman in the organization, which is crazy to say. 
Yeah, I think the important thing to note about first base prospects is that there's not a ton of guys that like start off their 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 pro careers as first base prospects. What usually happens is if a team picks up a bat that's at a different position somewhere, and down the line it becomes apparent that like they're just not good enough defensively for that position, and they end up just throwing him over in first base. There are notable exceptions to that, but overall, second base as well. Yeah, second second base is another one that's kind of like you know they a guy can't play short or a guy can't play third. He doesn't have the arm, so it's not one of those things where like you're like why aren't we drafting enough first and second base prospects? It's not really with those two positions in particular. That's usually kind of like a where you kind of realize that a guy has defensive shortcomings and you just put him somewhere else. Um, I know one guy that we and we're not going to dwell on first base for too long. We I think Ryan Castillo has been perfectly reasonable down at um, down in Double A. He's performed pretty well. You know, well over an 800 OPS. He's had some big hits too. So, you know, I think it's pretty clear that he's, if there's a first base prospect in the system, it's going to be him. But what could easily happen is, you know, a situation where like a guy who already has a big bat elsewhere, but like really fades and just can't really seem to perform in the field for whatever reason ends up getting shifted over there. So it's not something worth like dwelling too much on. Uh, I'm actually a little bit surprised that uh, I think that we're all unanimous on, on, on second base, but I mean, Greg Cullen, I think we all like him, don't we? Because, I mean, I'll start with you, Garav, because he's kind of an interesting guy. Yeah, I mean, I just remember his final year in college where I think he, he had like a 1.2 OPS and it kind of – I wouldn't say skyrocketed his stock. He was still uh, – I think we – he was our 15th pick from last year or something like that. Uh, I love the walk rate. The walk rate is straight up six. He's walking almost 12% at a time. He's not striking out too much for the 12%. He's only striking out 22%, which is, you know, all things considered, it's not too bad. Uh line, you know, he's hitting 246, 367, 375, so he's still not hitting for that power that you kind of thought would come, but I mean, as a whole, yeah, he, he's he's a pretty interesting guy. Uh, I, I'd like to get, I'd like to watch more of him personally, because I, I, I just haven't, but he's performing pretty well, all things considered. Matt, what about you? I did not go with Cullen. I actually went with Andres Blanco, who has been playing more second base early on in the year before the promotion happened at third base, which we're going to get into a little later, but uh thought he was the better choice to go with as a second baseman so that we can include him. I mean, obviously, he's a 35-year-old player with about 1,200 big league at-bats on his resume, so it's not like he's a prospect in any way. How can you not acknowledge a guy who's hitting 280 with 15 doubles, 10 homers, and an 875 OPS in AAA? I mean, even though you have the AAA ball, but you can't ignore those numbers, so I had to go with him over Cullen, even though Cullen was considered. So here's my thing about, like, and I'm glad we're including Blanco because he has kind of played a little bit all over the diamond, and they kind of want to mention those types of guys because you don't want to just, like, ignore that a guy has been performing well. Um, The thing about Cullen that really interests me is, like, I know that the power isn't, like, showing up in the stat line, but that guy just hits the snot out of the ball. Like, he just hits the ball hard, and you can kind of see... You can kind of see a situation where, like, if he's, like, you know, like, finding some more holes or maybe getting a little bit more loft that he could be hitting for some better power numbers. Like, it's, it doesn't seem that far off to me. You know, the the luck, the, 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 the bad bip isn't awesome, and, you know, there's he's still a, a, he's still kind of 
figuring things out in low way, but he's a guy that I'm kind of keeping an eye on because every time I seem to go to Rome, first I'll watch batting practice and he just seems like a guy who's just like making hard contact and he can go to all fields. And when he, when I'm there, he just like, even his outs, they just seem loud and his at-bats are always good. So again, a guy that we're kind of keeping an eye on. I don't, I mean, it's hard not to fault the LeBlanco pick, but I, I personally prefer Cullen, but I, I understand where the pick's coming from. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I think there's a little bit of disagreement on our shortstop picks, but I'll, I'll go to you, Matt, first. So who is your shortstop pick? I ended up having to go with Riley Delgado there. I thought about going elsewhere, but just with how consistently he's hit the ball, it's really hard to go with anyone other than Riley Delgado. I mean, all he does is – I mean, he doesn't hit for many extra bases, but he just keeps hitting. He's hitting, what, 290 on the year and – I want to say it was recently over 300 for the longest time up until a slow last couple of games, but he just hits and hits and hits. I mean, even though he's got that high average, he's only got 10 extra base hits on the entire year. He's only stolen one base. He's kind of the Luke Dykstra of this system at this point. He he, he does have a bit of Luke Dykstra, but I actually think that like that it will, he will continue to hit. He'll be, he is what he is. He's just, he hits a bunch of singles Plays really good defense at shortstop, by the way. He's a really good defender. Uh, and, you know, he's kind of a slap hitter, but he's a hard out, and he, you know, he'll draw his walks, too. So, you know, again, that I like a lot. He's not actually my pick, but I'll go to Garab first before I talk about mine. So I actually switched mine up, and I went with uh, Riley Unruh. Is that how you say his name? I think that's uh, how Unruh. you say his name. Unruh, I think. Unruh, Unruh. Yeah, I mean, pretty much... Exactly what Matt said. You can go ahead and say it for the other Riley. Uh, he hits for average. He's hitting 290 right now. Uh, pretty, you know, the walk rate isn't there. I, I wouldn't really consider him a major league caliber player or at least a starter. You know, he he walks 6% of the time, striking out 21%. Uh, It's not the sexiest peripherals, but you know, the dude gets the bat on the ball. He's slugging 406, which is pretty solid. His OPS in 776. You know, nothing crazy, but it kind of it kind of shows the depth that shortstop uh, outside of Dansby Swanson as well. Like, it's a it's a I wouldn't say it's a struggle, but you know, he's kind of a, a okay. I'll I'll just I'm not going to get too too upset about this, but he, he has performed well enough to earn the honor of being my All Star selection for shortstop. Now, I went with Unro too. He was actually a pretty decent prospect at one point, and it's worth noting that his numbers were significantly better when he was in high A. Uh, had like a, had an 851 OPS. Uh, the walk rate was significantly better. I, he's still adjusting a bit to Mississippi, but he seems like he still comes up with hits. And I mean, is the strikeout rate a little bit high for Double A? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's 23 years old, so there's still time for him to figure things out. Uh, he was, I think, he was Tampa Bay's second round pick back in like like 2013 or something like that, and he's. He's interesting because 
he kind of came out of nowhere as like kind of one of those minor league free agent signings. And he was like showing like he had like 12 extra base hits down there in Florida, and that's a kind of a place that's tough to hit him, especially home runs. Now, the the results in Double A haven't been quite as good, but it seems like the bat has more upside than Delgado's does. But I think that there's a a, a much stronger certainty that Delgado's just gonna that's just, just everywhere he goes, he's just gonna hit a bunch of singles, play really good defense. Probably won't, you know, and he'll and he'll walk some, and you know, it's again, there's not gonna be much power. It's just not a swing that's really geared for it. Uh, he's not a particularly huge guy either, but you know, in terms of a prospect, I like Delgado better just because there's more certainty and like he does a lot of things well. But in terms of overall production so far in the first half, uh, I like Unroe, I really do. And uh, again, you can't really go wrong with either one of those. Uh, we were, I know we were all kind of hoping that you know Ray Patrick Gitter was gonna stick at shortstop and he was gonna perform really well, but he's been pretty poor at the plate. Uh, which is kind of sad for all of us because we really like Ditter. And I'm hopeful that he turns things around because, you know, that second, that, when he got promoted to Mississippi and he was hitting really well, it was kind of nice to be able to talk about him again because he's a really interesting skill set. But, yeah, the, you know, the numbers uh, this year for Ditter have just been pretty ugly, more or less. Um, it's also likely that we're going to see Braden Shoemake, uh, the Braves' other first round pick, uh, playing shortstop. And it'll be kind of interesting to see kind of where he fits in terms of like the organizational structure and where they end up playing him. Or if they try to play him all around the infield, which is like some people were floating him the idea as like a super utility guy. So we'll see. Still can't believe that we went full slot there. And, but yeah, I'll, I'll stop there. Well, I actually asked around a little bit about that. Everyone's like, "Was anyone, did anyone think that Shoemaker was going to be a full slot guy?" And everyone's like, "No." <laughs> so um, it's kind of an, it's interesting as to kind of how that worked out. But again, it, the important thing, and this is my last thoughts about the draft, is that as long as they sign a good chunk of those like high upside high school guys that they drafted early on day three, then it kind of doesn't matter what Shoemaker got paid. But at the same time, it's kind of we it's kind of weird. Could have gotten Daniel Spino. Yeah, we 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 we, we know. We, could have gotten Brennan Malone. We could have gotten Tyler Callahan. We could have gotten Cody Hosey. We could have gotten all these guys to sign for slot or slightly under. And, and yet we didn't. We went with a low upside guy for whatever unknown reason. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I will, I'll provide some happiness here. Like I hope we sign those 18th and 19 round draft picks because then that will make the draft for me. Yeah, that, 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 that will make it more, that will make it very interesting as to whether that's the strategy. And I'm gonna, it's gonna be hysterical if like Braden comes in and is like hitting like 400 and like goes to AAA this year or something. That's just like, and like on his, on his bat hit. is inscribed, on his bat is, is gonna be inscribed like screw you at Matt Powers 31. He's gonna remember <laughs> he, this. He's going to hit for a high average in the low minor leagues. He hit for a high average for three years in the SEC. That's not the question. He's not a shortstop long term. He doesn't have much power or much room to put on power. Wait to add power. So really, he's gonna hit for a high average. He's gonna be a slightly better version of O'Reilly Delgado, slightly more extra bases. Hitting wise, not going to be quite that defender at short. He's going to be a super utility guy. I we're going to we're going to play this back when Braden Shoe makes him like the home run derby in like twenty twenty three or something like that. It's going to be hysterical. Uh, uh, I, I'm willing. Uh, obviously, to you, mean, you mean nine time? You mean nine time All Star Braden Shoe? Yeah, yeah. That's what's going to happen now. Can I, I take these bets? <laughs> yeah, I. I Obviously, Matt has strong feelings about about how how the draft went, but well, again, at this point, other than just kind of Matt being a little salty about it, right now we're just kind of gathering information about what these guys are going to be because I'm I'm really curious as to where they're going to start these guys. But we're not going to dwell too much on the draft stuff. We're that, we're kind of right now we're kind of playing wait and see on that. Um, we had a discussion about third base because 
it's not a particular uh, an area of strength right now, with the notable exception of a guy who got promoted to the major leagues. I mean, if if since Austin Riley has not graduated yet, I mean, it's it's just Austin Riley, right? Like it's not even close. Yeah, no, it's it's Riley, and that's why I put Blanco at second base because you can't have anyone other than Riley in there. I mean, there's other guys who've like there's other guys who have played the position, <laughs> but. You know, it's like it seems like there's a lot at a lot of levels. It's like being Delgado's team time at third this year too, and especially when Riley Unruh was down there at um, in high A. So I mean, like you could you could like say like you know there are other names there, but it doesn't even seem like to make much sense to put anyone else other Austin Riley. He he was amazing. He was he went crazy. Him going crazy forced the Braves to promote him and actually put him out in left field, and he's been awesome since he's gotten to the Braves. You know, a few a few short. Slumps here and there, but most of the time he's like, it's like he, there's this danger in his bat every time he comes up. Um, I think it's possible. Uh, we're going to the outfielders now. I think we had all three of the same names. Um, but Grav, I'll go to you first. Who are your three outfielders? Grav. Oh, I kept muting my, <laughs> I kept muting on accident to the unmuting. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious who my three selections are, and, and those would be Drew Waters, Christian Pache, and then the apparently incredible Trey Harris, who are all performing been at pretty – Yeah, man, like 1.014 OPS on the season for Trey. You know, he's killing it since the promotion to high A on a roster that is, like, probably one of the worst I've seen in quite some time. Like, I'm pretty sure – four or five players have a sub 600 OPS on that team. Like that's where bats go to die. It's no longer Trustmark park. It's whatever the name of the Florida fire frog stadium is. Like uh, Osceola just County. don't hit there. That's right. Osceola County stadium or whatever it is like that. Yeah, whatever. But Trey Harris straight up killing it. Christian Pache, you know, he got off to a red hot start. He's cooled down a little bit, but he's still hitting for power as well, 491 slugging percentage, 835 OPS. And then Drew Waters, who I was very, very aggressive with. I've always been super aggressive about my ranking for him, and now he's making me feel so good. Got an 880 OPS slugging 508. The the walk rate, you know, is a little bit scary. He's 5.8%, but he's still super young for where he's playing. I hope and pray that that goes up some because having a sub-six walk rate when you're striking out almost 30% of the time is really, really scary. But he has, like, what, a 900 Babbitt or something like that going yeah, on right he, now. He's, he's, he's kind of like he, – I'm sure he feels a little bit invincible just because, like, every ball yeah. he hits, it, it finds holes. Uh, I, I, I'm more surprised that Pache has been as good, like, both with average. He's walking he more too. sustained it. I yeah. figured it would go down. I figured he would have like a like a pretty solid sized slump of a few weeks, but that just hasn't happened yet. He's continued, and like I said in a podcast earlier this season, the biggest thing for me is he's no longer unbalanced at the plate. When I've seen him, like before, there were many plate appearances where he would be over his front foot and he'd be just like flailing at the ball and just slap it straight to a defender. But now he's staying back and he's hitting for power. And this is a different Christian Pache than I have seen. Ever and this is the first time I've actually been on the five tool hype for him and like if he's able to sustain this if the walk rate goes up just a little bit more and it's still pretty solid at seven point five but if you can if you can move it you know creep up a little more towards a ten percent I'll be completely sold uh, but 
I'm liking what I'm seeing from him, and I'm liking how long he's been able to keep it up. Yeah, uh, Matt. I mean, are those the same names that you had? The same three? Yeah, I mean, you can't put anyone else in there. It's just those three and everybody else at this point. I mean, Rafael Ortega's been great, but he just doesn't compare to what those three have done. I mean, you can't yeah, or- do that production. Yeah, I mean, Ortega is, he, especially early on in the season, Ortega was actually really, like, performing really well. He's kind of cooled off a little bit. Uh, Adam Duvall's kind of the same way. He's still hitting home runs, but the other hits haven't really been coming as much anymore. And we're starting to see that contact rate get worse and worse. He'll still run into, run into home runs and things like that. And that, it's certainly worth noting that those guys exist. Uh, but, I mean, the, I mean, Drew, Drew Waters and Christian Pache are the best two hitters in the Southern League right now. And I don't think that's hyperbole at all. And then you have Trey Harris, who, like, they they inexplicably kept at Rome for, honestly, they kept him there for too long. And they have to find a, they had to find a spot for him, I guess, and, you know, actually kind of move move some things around roster-wise. But he now he's in the Florida State League. Uh, OBP went up since his time in the, in his time in the Florida State League. Uh, the power numbers haven't quite come, but that's really not that surprising for Florida. He still has over 900 OPS in the so far in the Florida State League, and this is after a well over 1,000 OPS in his time in Rome. So again, he's he's been great. He's a real prospect too. I'm not sure if he sticks in right, um, but because it's kind of like watching him field, it doesn't look super comfortable out there in the outfield. But it's it's not for lack of effort, and he's just he's just been really really good. And he just, he's a multi hit game machine. He'll he he'll. I'm sure that once he kind of, you know, gets acclimated, he'll hit some more for, you know, more doubles and maybe he'll hit some home runs down in Florida as well. And he's just a really good hitter. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of exciting to actually have a guy that was like a 32nd round pick, you know, kind of come up and like do what he's been doing, um, in the Braves organization. But other than that, I mean, yeah, I mean, Drew Waters and Christian Pache, they're, they're kind of the class of the Southern League. They're the class of the, the Braves farm system, really. They're both two, they're both top five guys right now, for sure. Um, there's reasonable arguments to be made as to what they can do with their top five right now, just because so many guys are graduating. Austin Riley's going to graduate soon. And then we've seen, you know, Soroka's graduated and all these other guys. So, um, but I, I think we agree that those, those three outfielders, like that's your, that's your outfield. And honestly, that's a pretty exciting looking outfield. Uh, let's go to the starting pitchers next. And I'll start with you, Matt. Um, who are your three guys? I think we might be pretty close in all three of the other guys too. I mean, my top three were Muller, and, and this is an opposite order. Muller, Tucker Davidson, and then Hayden Deal. I mean, I had two other guys that were really close in UCL and Ian Anderson, but you, just like the outfield, you can't bump those three guys out. I mean, what especially Tucker and Deal have done is remarkable with the RAs under two the entire year. And Muller would be right up there with him if he wasn't so bad in April with his strike throwing and his numbers were really just awful altogether. But he's turned it around in such a big way that he's pretty close to matching the other guys in their numbers. McGraw, what about you? So mine's slightly different. I I have Hayden Deal and Tucker Davidson for sure, but for my third starting pitcher, I actually slotted Victor Vodnik in there uh, over Kyle Muller. I don't like. I don't ultimately know. You are if a, you are a mad a reliever. You, you're a madman. Yeah, I know. I know. I know for sure. For sure. And I tried to be a little different because I figured everyone would would have Kyle Muller in there just because how he's been, you know, lately. But like the walk rate is kind of scary for me. Uh, not really scary. Like 
whatever. It's like Tuki Toussaint, right? Where he'll walk like four, but he's going to strike out like 12. Like I'm not, I'm not necessarily worried about it, but I had to, I had to give it to Victor over him just because, you know, 1.88 ERA, 2.61 FIP, 1.02 whip, 10.3 K per nine, 3.0 uh, walk per nine. Like maybe he is considered a reliever because he only has one game started, but I still think, you know, I, I think both, I think all three of us are pretty sure they're going to keep him as a starting pitcher as long as they can. Uh, but I, you know, the other two made too much sense. Hayden Deal flat out killing it right now. I know he's one of your favorites now, Eric, because of that cutter. Tucker uh, I, Davidson, straight I'm, up. I'm fascinated by this, this starting pitcher with a gun. Seriously. I mean, like, like, because it's just like, you don't really see like a ton of guys that like, they, they, he's basically, he's kind of a two pitch pitcher, but not really. You know what I mean? Because like the the cutter kind of acts as another breaking ball, and like it's a complete, he's kind of a completely different pitcher against right handers. Um, the, the 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 Tucker Davidson, who's been wiped out, one of the better pitchers in the Southern League. Kyle Muller, who the walks have gotten better over the course of the yeah, year. And I'm gonna give him credit for, for that. Sure. Yeah, he was like like the walk rate was atrocious in April. It like, used to be like that. five like five walks over three innings. Like it was just straight up bad, and then. For me, I was like, "Holy cow! Like, can this? Can can he actually put it together?" Totally is looking so much better now. I just went full, you know, full season, and I really like Victor Vodnik. I like what I've seen from him. Uh, I gave the nod to him. You could put Kyle Muller as kind of like one A, one B. It doesn't yeah. really matter. Um, I I will say that with Deal, that like his last couple starts, he hasn't been quite as dominant. Like the strikeouts haven't come as much, and it's important to note that he was converted to a starter late in the year last year, and he wasn't doing it regularly. So one thing to keep an eye on is just kind of how he weathers the, a full season. Before, like I want to, I'm really interested by him, but I'm also understanding the fact that. Like being a starter means you have to be able to do this once every fifth day for an entire season. You can't just, you know, be really good at the beginning and then fade. Um, and a lot of these other guys have shown that they can like pitch full seasons and be, and be productive. So he, he's a guy that I'm watching and I'm very interested by. And the results so far have been really good. He deserves, uh, but I do want to, I do want to call out a couple of guys. Uh, and they've already been mentioned, uh, Jaciel De La Cruz. He's, I mean, striking out nearly a batter in an inning. He was insanely good, uh, in Florida. Uh, with like a sub two ERA, Mississippi. He's had three starts. He had one that was really good, uh, and then <clears throat> the other two have been kind of iffy. Um, one's not really his fault, just because like he only pitched into the second inning because of a rain delay. But he's still like you know, it seems like that breaking ball is back. The the fastball is really live too. So he's a guy that we're kind of keeping a really close tabs on, um, especially given how good he was in Florida. And I, I don't want to ignore what Ian Anderson's doing either. His ERA is three, so he's not performing as well, like in terms of like counting stats with you know what Mueller's doing, what Tucker Davidson's doing. Uh, he's outperforming Wentz because Wentz has been had a lot of problems with a long ball this year and among other things. But he struck out eighty six batters in sixty five and two thirds innings this year. That's kind of insane at Double A when he's twenty one years old. So you know it, everyone knows I love me some Ian Anderson. <laughs> Yeah, he has a bunch of really good pitches. He's so hard to square up. The only thing that's holding him back is the walk rate. You know, he's had, he'll have some starts where he only, only walk, you know, one or two guys, but like he has like multiple starts this year where he has walked five plus batters. And that's just really hard for anyone to make sustainably, but he strikes out so many guys a lot. Uh, I think that a lot of double A batters are just like that they can't square him up. So they just, they never pick their bat up off their shoulders, uh, unless, or unless they're trying to fight something off. And then they just hope to draw the walk because again he's really good. 
and really like a really good player, really really good this year. Uh, if he can get his command better and kind of make, find the strike zone with more regularity, especially when he and not falling behind other hitters, like the, the the potential for him to be special is definitely there. Um, and I was really happy to see that you know he finished the year last year didn't didn't miss any time. Uh, seemed like the reports were pretty much the same across the board. You know, start of the year to the end of the year, and that was kind of a big thing for me. Um, but we're gonna go to relief pitchers now. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. I believe we're going to hear a name that we've already heard before uh, out of Matt. But I'll start with you, Garav. Who is your really pitcher? It was actually a really easy decision for me, and I had to give it to Jeremy Walker. You know, he went from starting pitcher to to reliever this year. Uh, 2.49 ERA. He's out pitching his ERA. He's got a 2.18 FIP, uh, 8.1, uh, 8.2 K per nine, and a sub one walk rate. We're talking 0.53 walks per nine. Unreal. Unreal. For Walker, that's actually kind of nuts because as a starter, like he walked guys. You know what I mean? Like I did not. Think yeah. He, so it, the Walker's interesting to me just because I mean his job to be start the year was to be the quote unquote de facto starter for when Weigel pitched in the Double A. He would like you know mm-hmm. Weigel would pitch his two or three innings and then Walker would pitch the rest. But they keep bringing Walker out of the pen and he's just kept being good at it. <laughs> uh, you know he, like, was, he, he was an interesting pr- prospect when he was first drafted, but. I'm kind of surprised this is the turn it took for him. I I didn't realize that. Like I, I kind of I didn't like necessarily write him off, but I you know he was never in that elite category of pitching prospects that the Braves have. He was always you know right outside the top like twelve. You know you could you could probably slot him right on like anywhere from like nine to twelve. I would say for the top pitching prospects in the Braves, but like slot him in as a reliever, and this guy has been dynamic. Like. It's unreal. Like we're talking about him finding his way up to like Mississippi and, and Gwinnett as a reliever this year. Like I I don't I don't understand it. It's kinda of like Nukem, you know, you, you, you put Nukem in in the in the pen and all of a sudden he's not walking anybody. Like how? I, I don't get it. I don't care how I don't care that I don't get it. All I like are the results. So like whatever, man. Do your thing, Jeremy. Matt, what about you, man? I'm going to go with a guy that I just saw the other night. I'm going to go with Ben Rowan over Victor Vodnik. That's got to be the guy. I mean, Rowan has not only been ridiculous all year, but he's done it over a ridiculous amount of innings. He's thrown 48.1 innings on the year. His ERA is 2.61 at the moment, but that's only because he's struggled. A li- well, not even struggled. It's a 334 ERA over his last 10 outings which spanned 32 innings, by the way. So for the longest time, he had an ERA under one, ERA under two, but it's finally came up. I mean, this guy had a zero ERA on May 8th. He's just been that good this year. So I can't really get past the fact that Rowan's kind of a junk baller. You know what I mean? And, you know, he has that weird submarine delivery, but he also will throw some, like, not submarine as well. And 
it, it's kind of a fun story. And like hats off to him. Whenever the Braves have needed at AAA, they've needed a guy to start a game and run like, and throw like four innings because they promoted a guy. Uh, whether it be Tukey, whether it was, you know, when Bryce Wilson or Kyle Wright getting bumped up, he was like the guy that was like the de facto, okay, well, get out there and give us some innings. You know, you're starting today as opposed to being a reliever. And that's a tough thing to do. And I respect that he's had to do it and he's performed well. So I, I'm not going to ignore the results completely, but he's definitely an interesting guy. But it's kind of hard for me to get past the fact that, like, He's been around for a long time, and I'm not sure if like what he does would play as a prospect, and I'm not really sure how it plays even at AAA, but it does, and he's been he's been really good. So, um, a guy that I wish I'd be able to talk about was Corbin Klaus, just because if you'd asked me at the beginning of the season, that's the guy I would have picked here. But um, he's been dealing with a shoulder, he's been dealing with like some shoulder soreness, and he's kind of working his way through that. It sounds like he's going to be coming back relatively soon, but overall, you know. It's not really fair to go based on what I think who's the best relief prospect versus like overall production right now. Um, I'm actually not going with any of the names you guys mentioned. Brendan White for Florida has been really, really good. He has a sub one ERA in 18 appearances. Opposing batters are hitting around 200 against him. He's striking out better than a, better than a batter in inning. Only 12 walks. Not the walk rate isn't something that's particularly crazy. Uh, you know, had one out, had one outing where he gave up two runs. Everything else has just been lights out. You know, they're not, they're not running him out there a ton, but I think he's a guy that we liked when he was at Rome. He probably was held at Rome too long, uh, last year. And now they're kind of, now he's kind of had a, latched onto the sort of the role with the Fire Frogs where he's kind of like probably their most dynamic reliever at this moment, at this moment in time. And for a guy that, you know, he's had to kind of really kind of, work really hard to get the attention he needs to continue to be uh, promoted. He's a guy that I think needs to go to Mississippi, and I think that he would perform well there. Uh, the stuff plays up. He seems to really thrive in those late-inning situations. So if I'm picking a guy right now just in terms of pure production, it's probably going to be Brendan White. And I feel pretty comfortable with it. But, I mean, but Vodnik and Rowan and and Jeremy Walker are all, are all perfectly reasonable picks for me as well. Um are we forgetting any names like guys that we're just going to regret just not talking about? Because I mean, I feel like we've got I mean, like guys like Justin Dean have been really productive too, and I don't want to like forget about guys like that who have put up real production. But I don't, I don't think we're forgetting anybody that probably deserves more recognition. Uh, I thought the AAA rotation was to be a lot more exciting than it actually has been. <laughs> so, uh, but are we, are we forgetting? Are, are we forgetting anybody? Yeah, Kyle Wright and Bryce. I mean, Bryce Wilson's been okay, and Colby Allard's actually been pretty decent. Uh, it's worth mentioning that he's, you know, it seems like his 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 velocity's back into the low nineties. You saw him last night, right, Matt? Yeah, it was last night, and he was constantly hitting ninety two. Uh, slowed down a little bit later in the game, but I mean, it was ninety twos throughout. He had two or three that hit ninety three. The cutter wasn't really used all that often. It was more of just the chase pitch or a pitch where he knew the batter was going to take. And the curve would show up at times, but didn't quite have much bite on it. And the life on the fastball was just hit or miss, depending on when he threw it. So there's still stuff to work on, but I would definitely say that he's become much more of a prospect now than what I thought when I actually got to the game. And you can ask Eric my reaction when I found out that Weigel was squ- uh, scratched from the start and pushed back a day because I was going to miss today's start anyway. So I thought, I drove all this way and I'm not going to see the guy I came for, but Allard made it worth the triple home. 
Yeah, I think that we forget with Allard. I mean, we get kind of caught up in the, the like the fastball velocity and the fact that you know the breaking ball isn't what it used to be. It just isn't. It used to be a, like a, a hammer, and now it's just not as sharp. Uh, I wish he would throw maybe a little harder. Um, just in general, as like a pitch, I think it would do him better. But regardless of where his stuff has has ever been, you know, whether it be you know he's throwing high eighties to you know uh, and not maybe not having a curveball. You know, not even having an average fastball. The guy always has seemed to know how to pitch. And if his stuff can tick up some, I think he can be a major league arm. Uh, it might not be with the Braves just because they have so many high ceiling arms. And he might, it's just possible that he's been passed by all those guys. That doesn't mean he can't be a productive major leaguer. And he's ultimately going to have to prove that, but. I'm sorry, go ahead. Just, yeah, just real quick talking about Kyle Wright. Like, it's, it's been, a little frustrating to watch him, and it seems like, and this is terrible of me, but like after every start or after every appearance I see from him, I go over to the Joe Adele page and I, I cry. <laughs> a bit. Yeah, I feel like Wright's struggles. One more tear. Are mental, just like they were the start of his junior year at Vanderbilt, and I think the stuff is there, and he can correct it. Yeah, it's just a matter of getting that Turner corn. Yeah, totally. Like, I, I 100% understand why they drafted him. It made overwhelming sense to do so. I'm just really hung up on Joe Adele. Yeah, I mean, a few other teams made that mistake, too. And, uh, he, I mean, obviously he's been insane. But the thing that frustrates me about Wright is because it's the thing that I've said multiple times. Uh, and uh, since, since he's been drafted, we like, as we watched him, I've, I've said it multiple times on podcasts, the first time through an order, it seems like he's fine. The second time through an order, it's like he abandons the approach that he was working for him at times. And like all of a sudden he loses the ability to throw strikes and he'll like, it'll be a big inning and then all of a sudden it's like the wheels come off. He has a sub, I mean, a, an ERA over seven both in the minor leagues and in the majors and that's just not going to work. Um, and he's not, not missing the bats that he should despite the stuff he has. You know, the walks in the majors have been killing him that, Walks in the minor leagues have been okay this year, but that, but now he has problems with like the home run ball too, and it's just it's tough to understand kind of what is ailing him because it varies from at bat to at bat. You'll see in a bat where he'll throw three pitches, the batter had zero chance of touching any of them, and then the next batter it'll be like you know he'll hang a breaking ball or he'll like just throw a fastball down the middle that is flat and he'll get, it'll get torched. It's hard to it's hard to understand what's happening with him because again it's, it's not it's not a lefty versus righty thing it's much more just so much inconsistency that it's maddening and I want him to be good because you see the stuff you know what he can do I mean he was a he was a prohibitive favorite to make the rotation out of spring training he was really good in spring training and had one good start in the majors and then just wasn't good after that and he hasn't been good at, at either level. I don't know if he's, you know, being bothered by something or something's going on. It's just, you know, I can't point to anything mechanically. It just seems like there's an approach that he it feels like he's nibbling and he doesn't have the command to do that. He just needs to be able to like trust his stuff more. And if he can do that, he'll, it'll serve him better. But I mean, the results this year have just not been good. You know, Bryce Wilson, he's his his struggles seem to be more with the fact that he's just he has to have command of his fastball and his breaking ball. Uh, because the changeup is just kind of a, it's only going to be good if that fastball is really good. 
So he looked good the other night when I saw him. He didn't last very long because of the pitch count, but I think that was partly the defense letting him down. I mean, there were some balls that were misplayed or probably should have gotten to or weakly hit balls that just were were hit to where there was nobody at. But he he looked good even though the outing was short and the numbers weren't great just because the defense let him down a little bit. Yeah, and I, these are all guys that we we still like. I think it's important to mention that. It's like it's not we don't dislike these guys. It's just kind of like it's frustrating when you can see that there's like it's really the the difference in baseball between good and bad is often just like a couple of inches, you know what I mean, or just like a little thing here and there. And these guys are really close to if they just were just were a little bit better at one thing that would really serve them well, and that just hasn't happened. And that's just kind of a shame. But again, we're still guys we're keeping a close eye on. They're, they're, they're too talented just to completely write off. But overall, uh, I think we, we, we talked about some really interesting names in terms of like, you know, the MILB All-Stars. Um, going forward into the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to be trying to see what's going to be going on with the, uh, short season ball because those rosters are really going to be coming out here relatively quick, relatively soon. Uh, we're going to see where all these draftees are going to be put, put at. And also we're going to have our top 30 prospect list that's going to be coming out during the All-Star break. We probably should be getting, uh, on that more than we have been. And that's going to be something that's going to be a little bit harder this year because so many graduations and plus there's a lot of draftees that we're going to have to see if they sign and then where we're, and whether or not they're going to be put on the list or not. Uh, that, that's, it's just going to be, it's going to be an interesting list. It's much different than we've normally, because we've talked about a lot of the same guys for the last few years and so many of them are graduating or have fallen off the planet. I mean, another guy that we didn't even talk about is Travis Demerit in the outfield and you know, what we're going to do with him, I mean, it's kind of hard to say because he's been really good in spurts, but he's also kind of a frustrating guy to watch at times too. So um, thanks again to everyone for listening. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the Talking Chop po- uh, podcast stream over on iTunes or whatever purveyor of pro- podcasts you prefer because if you subscribe to that the Talking Chop channel, not only do you get the Talking Chop podcast where you get to make fun about make fun of Brad about his takes about trading Ozzy Albies or, you know, being upset about being upset, at, you know, various decisions that are made in games but you can also get this podcast as well it's two for one and make sure you're downloading the podcast make sure you leave reviews you know saying how much you love the podcast it helps out the podcast a lot and helps our reach and helps to continue to grow this podcast as well as that one and until next time guys we'll see you on the road hey this is scott galloway author professor entrepreneur and most importantly host of the prop g podcast we got a special series running on right now called the future of work where i answer all your questions on surprise the future of work Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.